which way are you traveling? Are you traveling to that place as we gather around the throne to worship the Lord? That's what we look at this morning from Matthew chapter 7. And we read just two verses from the Sermon on the Mount as we come near the end of this Sermon of Jesus. Matthew 7, 13 and 14. And Jesus says this, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are grateful for Jesus Christ thankful that He is the one who came to this earth to pay the price for us, to die on a cross, to rise again, to be the one that paid the ultimate price, the finished work of Jesus for our salvation. And Lord, we await that day when there will be people from every tribe and every tongue, every nation, singing praises to you, worthy is the Lamb who was slain. And Father, I pray that you would take now the words that Jesus Christ has spoken for us, and that we would hear what he has to say today through this word we pray. It is in Jesus' name that we ask. Amen. In the movie Alice in Wonderland, Alice asked the cat, Would you tell me which way I ought to go from here? The cat says, That depends a good deal where you want to get. And Alice replies by saying, I really don't care where. And the cat replied, then it doesn't much matter which way you go. If you really don't care where you will spend eternity, and I hope that is not you today, then you probably haven't given serious thought of where your life is headed. But you should. You should give it some careful thought because... If you want to arrive at the right destination, then you need to travel on the right road, and you must enter at the right gate. And that really summarizes what Jesus has to say in, in this text. Entering through the right gate, traveling on the right road, and arriving at the right destination. So first of all, Jesus says, enter through the right gate. Verse 13, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. The first gate that Jesus describes here is, is the narrow gate. And if you think about what this narrow gate symbolizes, I believe it's quite clear in Scripture that it, it pictures Jesus himself. In John chapter 10, verse 9, Jesus said, I am the gate. Whoever enters in through me will be saved. 
And this gate is described as the narrow gate because Jesus is the only way to be saved. Jesus isn't one of many ways. That's the message of the culture in which we live today, isn't it? Jesus may be one way, but there's many other ways. You go your way, I'll go my way, and who are you to say that your way is the right way and my way is the wrong way? That's the culture in which we live today, isn't it? Jesus isn't one of many ways. He is the only way, and God's Word couldn't be more clear about that fact. John 14, 6, that very familiar verse. What did Jesus say? I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one, get that, no one comes to the Father except through me. Acts 4.12 says there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved than the name of Jesus. Naaman illustrates that. Remember Naaman the leper? He came to the prophet Elisha, and Elisha said, you need to go into the Jordan River, and you dip seven times, and you will come up, and your flesh will be restored like that of a child. And he got mad. Couldn't I go to one of the rivers of Damascus? Couldn't I go there and do that? Why, would I, why do I have to go to the Jordan River? And Naaman had a very wise servant. He said, if the prophet tells you... To go to the Jordan River, just do what he says. And finally he did, and after the seventh time, his flesh was restored. There was no other way for Naaman to be cleansed than to trust the Word of God through the prophet. The same is true with us. The gate is narrow because Jesus is the only way to be saved. Another reason Jesus is the narrow gate is because we must come to Him alone. We must come to Him empty-handed. The Jews of Jesus' day seemed to think that they were saved as a group. They were God's chosen people and they figured they all would, would make it. But Jesus makes it clear that we are not saved as a group We are saved as individuals as we come to Jesus one by one. In fact, many Bible students believe that what Jesus is picturing here with the word narrow is is something like a turnstile. You know what a turnstile is? They got one at Menards. If you want to know what a turnstile is, okay? It's got these bars sticking out, you know, and it lets you in. One by one. And I found out the hard way it doesn't let you out one by one. Ever tried that? I did. Doesn't, doesn't work. But one by one, it lets, lets you in. And so you go in one at a time, carrying nothing with you. Because only one can fit each turn. So I'm not going to heaven because my parents... We're believers, and I thank God for a Christian home. I'm not going to heaven because I belong to a Bible-believing church, and I'm very thankful for that. Nor am I going to heaven by bringing to Jesus all the things I've done. Lord, look what I've done. You don't enter that way. 
What does the hymn writer say? Nothing in my hands I bring, but simply to the cross I cling. I can't bring anything to God whereby I could earn some favor with Him. It's all filthy rags. So I come to Jesus, trusting in Him alone, bringing nothing, because I have nothing to give Him. Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. So, have you entered the right gate? Have you come to Jesus? Do you know Him as your Savior? Once you come to the right gate, then, you can travel on the right road. Jesus makes it clear that the gate you enter will determine the road that you travel. The broad gate puts you on the broad road, while the narrow gate puts you on the narrow road. So what are these roads like, this broad road and this narrow road? Well, the broad road is what we could say the easy road. There's no restrictions on that road. You can live any way you want to live on the broad road. Any lifestyle is accepted. Any philosophy is embraced. Any behavior is allowed. On this road, there is really no right and wrong. No need for commitment. No need for sacrifice. You just do what feels good. That's the broad road. John MacArthur describes it this way. The way that is broad is the easy, attractive, inclusive, indulgent, permissive, and self oriented way of life, or the way of the world. Sin is tolerated, truth is moderated, and humility is ignored. This way requires no spiritual maturity, no moral character, no commitment, and no sacrifice. And as you might expect, that's the popular road. And Jesus says that many travel that road. Very wide. All kinds of people. Like a six-lane highway at rush hour. That's the broad road, and they're headed to destruction. How about the narrow road? Jesus gives an interesting picture of what the narrow road is like with that word that is translated narrow. It, it comes from a root that means to groan as from being under pressure. And it is used figuratively to represent restriction or constriction. Narrow. And interestingly, it is the word from which we get our English word stenography, which is writing that is abbreviated or compressed. So, if you're going to travel the narrow road. What's the lesson here? If you're going to travel the narrow road, it isn't going to be an easy road. Following Jesus is not an easy road. Jesus often said to count the cost of discipleship. You're going to face challenges, persecutions, and struggles if you're willing to follow Jesus partly because you're going against the, the flow of the culture. 
And when you take a stand for truth and righteousness, you are not going to be a popular person in this culture. It is not an easy road. And so don't be deceived by those who would give you the impression that if you follow Jesus, your life is going to be easy, you're going to be healthy, you're going to be wealthy, you're going to be prosperous, and everybody's going to like you. <laughs> so far from the truth. The broad road is the easy road. The narrow road is more challenging. And if you were to make your decision as to which road you travel solely upon what the road is, is like, you might choose the broad road. After all, the broad road, that's the easy road. Anything goes. Any values, any behaviors, any philosophies. You can live the way you want to live on the broad road. And that's what the majority of people do. But if you look at what Jesus says about these two roads, you will notice that such a decision is very short-sighted. You need to consider not just what each road is like, but you need to consider also where does that road lead? Where are you going to end up if you travel on the broad road versus traveling on the narrow road? You need to ask yourself the question, if I follow this broad road, What's going to be the result? So if you enter the right gates, if you travel on the right road, then you will arrive at the right destination. Because there are two possible destinations in life. Based on what the Bible says about the devil, we know that he would never tell us that the broad road leads to destruction. He doesn't whisper in our ear, take this road, it'll lead you to hell. It'll be so wonderful. It'll lead you to destruction. Follow me, enter the broad road. Of course he doesn't. He deceives. Comes as an angel of light, seeking to deceive people. He wants us to think that the broad road is the way to go because we can live however we want. That's what most people are doing, and certainly they ought to be right. He never tells us that the end result is destruction. And that's why many people are fooled. But God warns us, does He not, in His Word, where that road leads? Over and over again, He warns us that this is the way that ends to destruction, ends in destruction. The Bible says that God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. He wants all to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So he warns us over and over in his word where the broad road leads. And while the narrow road may not be the easiest road, it certainly is the best road by far. Because Jesus says that the narrow road leads to life. It leads to life. It leads to heaven, where we will experience life in its fullest, fullest measure forever. When we sang that last song, I was just thinking, what a, what a glorious day 
that will be? Can you imagine singing in heaven's choir? Having a good voice. Some of us don't have the best voice, but having a perfected voice, huh? With all the saints of all the ages gathering around the throne, having been perfected, having been putting aside that old sinful nature and... Wow, what a day that will be. You'd think everyone would want to travel that road, wouldn't you? The destination being life, eternal life, and, and yet Jesus says only a few find it. Only a few. It's not because Jesus doesn't want more people to be saved. God's Word is clear about that. It's not because the space is limited in heaven, you know, and so there's only a certain number that, that can fit. We have a sinful nature that runs from God, that desires our own will, that lives only for today. And that's why people want to take the easy road instead of living with eternity in view. Realizing that one day we will stand before God and, and we will give an account of our life. And there's only one way to be ready for that day. And that is through Jesus. Charles Finney, a young lawyer, was sitting in a village law office in the state of New York. He had just come into the old squire's office. It was very early in the day and he was all alone when the Lord began to deal with Finney. As if the Lord spoke to him and said, Finney, what are you going to do when you finish your course? And in his mind he said, I'm going to put out a shingle and practice law. Then what? He thought, get rich. Then what? Retire. Then what? Die. Die. Then what? And the words came trembling. The judgment. He ran for the woods, as the story goes, a half a mile away. And all day he prayed and vowed that he would not leave those woods until he had made peace with God. He saw himself at the judgment bar of God. For four years he had studied law, and now the vanity of a selfish life lived for the enjoyment of the things of this world was made very clear to Finney. And he came out of the woods that evening after a long struggle, knowing Jesus Christ as his Savior, having a purpose of living for the glory of God and making him known. And from that moment, God did use Charles Finney not as a lawyer, but as a preacher, preaching to thousands of their need for a Savior. Then what? That was the question. Then what? And that's the question that we need to ask today. What is going to happen when you come to the end of life? Then what? Or what's going to happen if you are still alive when Jesus comes again? Then what? 
what will it be for you? Will it be ushered into the presence of Jesus to praise Him forevermore? Or will it be destruction, judgment, hell for all eternity? Then what? When Judy's dad passed away, we knew what was there for him, meeting Jesus. And that gives our family great joy to know that one day we have a family reunion with her parents and my parents and many loved ones. That's the hope that we stand on today because of Jesus because of His finished work on the cross for us. Jesus paid it all. All to Him we owe. He is the gate. He is the door. He is the Good Shepherd. And we come to Him with nothing, nothing in our hands we bring, but simply to the cross we cling. Is that where you stand today? Which way are you traveling? The broad road that leads to destruction or the narrow road that leads to life. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are the door, you are the gate, you are the way, the truth, the life. And I pray, Lord Jesus, if there's anyone here this morning that has not entered that narrow gate coming with nothing. The only plea we have today is that Jesus shed his blood for us. Just as we are, Lord, we come to you. And we thank you that even though the narrow road can be a challenging road, yet the final destination is glorious. And so we rejoice in that today. And Father, thank you that you have promised to give us the strength in that journey. And when that journey is done, to hear those words, well done, you good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. Lord, thank you for that promise as well. So do your work, Father, in our midst today. Draw those to yourself who don't know you, and may they see that Jesus Christ is their only hope that they would repent of their sins and put their trust in Jesus Christ alone. For we pray in His name. Amen.